Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order, and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah. Release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Mark Groves Podcast. Today is one of those days where a dream I had about being able to sit down with this man got realized. And, oh man, you, I can't say enough that you don't realize where life's going to take you when you follow what lights you up, when you follow that calling. And I never would have imagined, honestly, this moment. I just feel so honored. I, I feel like that like little sliver of hope that we have when we're going through the cracking, but we're like, there's a calling that's so much deeper. Like your cells are saying, no, keep going. Like, this is the way, this is the way. And I don't always listen to that. And I didn't always listen to that. And yet I know that that is always the way. Sometimes it just takes a little more <laughs> pain to, to wake us up, to redirect us, a little more rejection to redirect us. And here we are. So we're all in the perfect place. And, you know, when I began questioning how my mind worked and what I believed and why I believed what I believed and how that impacted my life, inevitably you are brought to the work of Dr. Bruce Lipton. Dr. Bruce Lipton, he wrote The Biology of Belief. He also wrote The Honeymoon Effect. He's an author of more than just those two books. He's such an incredible man, and he really inspired so much of taking science, which is where I came from originally, and merging it with the spirit. And it's just so beautiful to be able to have someone who translates and unifies those things. And so there's not really much else to say other than this is such a dream come true, and I'm so excited if this is the first time you're discovering Bruce Lipton's work, get ready, because God damn. And if you're being welcomed back to it like I was in this interview, God damn. <laughs> Either way, uh, we're all about to be expanded and to have the way we see the world shifted and shifted in such a beautiful way that provides us with possibility. So before we dive into this episode, 
wherever you listen to it, if you can give it a five-star review and a written review that's so helpful in supporting the podcast and share it. If this lights you up, if this inspires you, please share the episode and make sure you tag me on Instagram and much love and appreciation to you. I'm eternally grateful that I get to call this work and it just means so much. I'm honestly so honored that we get to have these conversations together and learn together. And yeah, I don't know that there's enough words I can put in to how much gratitude I have for you being on this journey with me. So without further ado, here's Dr. Bruce Lipton. Hello, welcome, Dr. Bruce Lipton. I'm so excited to have you here. Mark, I am excited because uh, you know my interests and the interests of your audience, co- you know, they co-align together on this because it's all about how to enjoy this planet, how to have wonderful relationships, how to make heaven on earth a way of life rather than just something we step into occasionally. Yeah, isn't that it? Rather than being an escape or a temporary space, it actually be our sort of uh, ethos or, or regular everyday experience. Well, uh, you know, I never believed in, yeah, I have to say, you know, for over 40 or more years, I never believed in love because my experience with it was always failing. <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay, I'm practicing and I'm losing out here. It's not really working. And, oh, it works in a book and it works in a movie, but I'm not really sure <laughs> it works in real life. Uh, and then through uh, the understanding of my research, I realized, oh my God, my behavior of how to make a relationship was programmed by observing my mother and father and downloading their their behavior, which became my program. And I didn't realize because, well, first of all, that was a dysfunctional relationship I grew up in. And then I downloaded dysfunction and didn't realize, as we now know, that 95% of our life is coming from those downloaded programs, uh, and we don't see them. It's called subconscious for a reason. It's below conscious. So when we are creating our experiences, um, 95% of the time, we don't even see what we're saying and doing is coming straight out of the program. But that's a lot to unpack right now, Mark. So let, let's try to uh, set, you know narrow it down. What, you ask, I'll talk. I love this. Well, where does the basis of, like, where did the base of your ideas or this understanding, the the idea that even 95% of what we do is unconscious? Because, you know, in all of my education, which went through, you know, to university and management and business and then psychology, that was never uncovered. So I'm curious, uh, you know, not until maybe more modern times, maybe in the more recent last five years, since your work, has been popularized. So yeah, curious, what gave birth to them and, and what did you learn that, that sort of shattered your own uh, constructs? Well, you have to recognize at this time, which is 50, 50 years ago, yeah, it was a while, uh, uh, I was cloning stem cells. And back 50 years ago, there were only a handful of us in the entire world that even knew what a stem cell was. So I was in a unique position and a unique place to discover something new. And uh, uh, stem cells are just embryonic cells. Uh, and I say, well, they're not just embryonic cells. They're embryonic cells that are in your body right now. And I say, why should I have embryonic cells? Well, simple point. Uh, body is made out of 50 trillion cells. Easy to say, trillion is like 
mind-boggling if you try to calculate it. Uh, a, little, a little inside story, because I checked it out. I said, if you wanted to count 50 trillion cells, one at a time, one, two, three, four, five, you're, you know how long it would take counting day and night? You ready? 1,650,000 years to count to 50 trillion. So it's like, okay, that's a big number. <laughs> a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. And every day in our 50 million cells, a large number of them are dying off. That's normal attrition. Uh, skin cells fluffing off, hair cells coming out, the digestive tract, the whole lining, millions and millions of cells are replaced every three days. So the most important question, if I'm losing hundreds of billions of cells a day, uh, how long can I live? I say, well, if you don't have stem cells, a very short lifespan. But if you have stem cells in your body, embryonic cells, their job is as you lose so many every day, you make so many new ones every day. So we're still here. So anybody out there that's listening to us, you've got stem cells, embryonic cells in your body. So what was the difference here in my life was I was teaching medical students the conventional story how genes control life. Stop for a second. I say, what does that story actually mean to us as humans? And I go this, as far as you know, you didn't pick the genes you came with. You don't like the characteristics that you have. You can't change the genes. And then on top of that, of course, we add the genes turn on and off by themselves. And I say, you put all those facts together and what you come down to is we are victims of our heredity. Oh, my God, there's cancer running in my yeah. family. I'm going to get a cancer gene. Oh, my God, I can't do anything about it. It does it by itself. Uh, and so I was programming uh, doctors for the conventional belief that we are victims and doctors are here to take care of us because we're victims. Meanwhile, I'm growing stem cells, these embryonic cells in, in my lab, cloning them, which means I put one stem cell in the dish by itself. It divides every 10 or 12 hours. So first there's one, then two, then four, eight, 16, doubling after a week, 30,000 cells. And here's the experiment that changed my life. These are 30,000 genetically identical cells because they came from one parent cell. That's cloning. And I go, I split those cells into three Petri dishes, 10,000 cells in each dish. They're all genetically identical. And we grow cells in something called culture medium. And that secret's going to come out here in a minute after I explain it. Uh, culture medium is the environment that cells grow in. And, and uh, we synthesize it in the lab. And since I'm doing that, I made three chemically different versions of culture medium. So each set of dishes, each set had, you know, one, one set got culture medium A, the second dish got culture medium B, a version, and third dish had culture medium C, another version. And what was the most blow away thing was that in one dish, the cells form muscle, and the second dish, the cells form bone, and the third dish, the cells form fat cells. And the first thing is, wait a minute, all the cells were genetically identical. Why did one become muscle? Why did one become bone? The other become fat? What controlled the fate? And it was like, well, the only thing that was different was the composition of the culture medium. And I go, oh, so the most, like, here's the blow away. Wait a minute. Genetic control wasn't controlled by the genes inside the cell. It was controlled by the environment outside the cell. And it was but this is not what we're teaching, you know? And, like, <laughs> and my whole life was, wait a minute, the conventional world, genes turned on of control. And this world said, no, wait, genes didn't control that. And the environment controlled it. 
And I was like the radical crazy man because everyone in the world, genes control life, and Lipton's going, no, they don't, you know. But, <laughs> uh, uh, and it took 23 years after my original studies before science then became officially recognizing a new insight called epigenetics. And I go, what is epigenetics? I say, well, old story, genes control this character. Genetics controls this character. And I go, nope, false statement. New statement, epigenetics controls this character. I said, well, it sounds the same. I go, no, epi means above. As a matter of fact, what, what we call skin is called epidermis. And the reason simple. Below the layer of the skin is another layer called the dermis. So above the dermis, epidermis means above. And I go, well, what is epigenetic control? And I say, control, epi, above genetics. Control above genes. I go, wait. The control wasn't in the genes. We always told everybody. And now, uh, you know, I, I saw it, you know, 90, 50 years ago. I said, wait a minute. The genes aren't making decisions. They're responding to the environment that they live in. Okay, so now we take that step, jump to the next step, and that is this. But wait, what is culture medium that we make? And I go, the laboratory version of blood. So if I grow human cells, what is the human blood made out of? And then I put that into the mixture, culture medium for human cells. Mouse, oh, look at mouse blood, mix that up and grow mouse cells. And I go, so what's the point? And the point is this, the culture medium is equivalent to blood. Okay, go. I say, so what? And I go, well, we're putting cells in a plastic Petri dish. And then comes, as I mentioned, wait, a human is a skin-covered Petri dish. And there are 50 trillion, 50 trillion inside cells. And I go, and I go does it make a difference if the cell is in a plastic dish or a skin dish? I said, it doesn't make any difference. Why? It's controlled by the environment. I go, well, in the plastic dish... It was controlled by the culture medium. And I go, in the human skin-covered dish, the culture medium is the blood. And I said, oh, wait a minute. Then the blood chemistry is controlling our genetics, not our genes controlling themselves. And I go, well, that takes us to another place. And I said, well, if the chemistry of the blood is controlling my genetics and my behavior, who controls the chemistry of the blood? And then it's coming down to a good answer here, Mark. Hold on. I say, who, who, who makes the blood? And I go, the brain is the chemist. And so I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then comes the next and the biggest question. So what chemistry should the brain be putting into the blood? And the answer is, you ready? Whatever picture you hold in your mind, the brain translates that into complementary chemistry for that picture and then sends that chemistry through the body so your body is now being uh, expressing what the picture was in your mind. Oh, is it a picture of love or a picture of fear? I go, well, that's different chemistry. Love releases great chemistry, dopamine for pleasure. Mark, I shouldn't have to tell you, but your audience, you already know you, but this is great. Yeah, pleasure and love, all that's beautiful. Oxytocin comes out when you're in love. That bonds you to the love. Uh, growth hormone. Uh, and I go, what's growth hormone? I said, well, it does exactly what it says. When you're in love, you release growth hormone. I go, what is that? Vitality, health. That's what it's about. I say, so when you're in love, you're healthy. I go, yeah. People in love, oh, they glow. Look at them, they're in love. See how they glow. I go, the glow is healthy vibration. I say, so when you're in a picture of love, picture of love, 
brain translates that dopamine, oxytocin, growth hormone, these enhance your vitality. I say, but wait, 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 what if the picture is fear? What if I'm afraid of something? I go, oh, well, you don't release love chemistry and fear. You release stress hormones and factors that affect the immune system. Uh, as a matter of fact, it shuts down growth and actually puts you in a state of fight or flight. And I go, so what, what was the point? I said, the body was responding to what? The picture in your mind. And all of a sudden you start to say, well, then what about your thoughts? And then I go, well, there's where the problem comes from. Mm -hmm. Because uh, conventional people, the average thoughts are, 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 are uh, negative thoughts and repeated over and over again. Okay. Uh, and so, for example, I grew up with, hey, how come I can't have a relationship? And I go, because my picture of relationship that I downloaded from my parents, which was generating my behavior, canceled my opportunity to have relationships because nobody wanted that dysfunction and I was playing the role of dysfunction. For the majority of my adult life, I have been searching for a tasty protein powder. I've been searching for an amazing protein powder, one that doesn't just add protein to my shake, but like adds flavor and creaminess and deliciousness and all those things. And I'm happy to have found that in the Organifi Complete Protein. It's organic, it's vegan, it's also a multivitamin with digestive enzymes, so I kind of like that stack. 20 grams of protein, all in one delicious, easy-to-mix shake. It's got seven superfoods, it's 100% organic, no soy, no whey, and it helps curve cravings. It contains half of the daily recommended value of selenium, vitamin C, D, E, A, and 35% of your daily iron. And all of these vitamins are from whole foods. And so it's got pea protein, quinoa, pumpkin seed, coconut, which contains MCTs, vanilla bean for the vanilla flavor, five different digestive enzymes in every serving. It helps you digest your food, prevent the bloating and the gas, and absorb more of the nutrients that you eat throughout your day. So if you want to save 20% off both chocolate and vanilla, go to Organifi.com slash create the love and Organifi is spelt O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com. So go check it out. Okay, so we jump to the next level and this is the big part, Mark, then it goes like this. So the brain is controlling the chemistry, the chemistry controls behavior and genetics and then I say, but the mind is doing this, and here comes the big waha ha. And I go, what is it? And I go, the mind? Like one mind? I go, that's the problem. There are two minds, and they are interdependent. They work together, interdependent, but they're not the same. And guess what? They have two different functions, and as you emphasized a little earlier, or you repeat a lot, uh, that uh, not only they have different functions, but they learn in different ways. So if you want to change your mind, it depends on which of the minds. I said, well, there's two minds. Conscious mind, that's connected to our personal identity, our spirituality. Who am I? Uh, Mark, you and I have different conscious mind contents. Why? You have Mark coming in. I have Bruce coming into my conscious mind. And I go, the conscious mind just right behind your forehead, lobe of brain called prefrontal cortex. The rest of the brain back here is subconscious mind. And the name subconscious means it operates without you even paying attention. Subconscious. So thankfully, yeah, my heartbeat, my body temperature, you know, the functions of my organs, my breathing, I don't have to pay attention. Subconscious controls all that, okay? But, and here's the issue. 
anything we learn can be a program in the subconscious. So quick point, the, the, the mind is like a computer. It is a computer, <laughs> in fact, it is. Mm -hmm. And I go, significance is uh, it, the character of our silicon computers overlays exactly the character of our mind computer. And I go, in what way? I say, well, in the old days, you would buy a computer. It didn't come with programs. In the old days, you get a brand new computer, you bring it home, you push uh, start, and it boots up, and the screen's on. And I go, great, do something. I say, oh, no. The next step before I can use a computer is I got to put programs in the computer. And then once I have the programs, then I can type onto the computer and add my information. So here comes the mind computer and the basis is this. The subconscious is the hard drive with programs in it. Okay. The conscious is the one typing on the keyboard. So the conscious um. mind can type any story it wants into the keyboard and play the game. Okay. The subconscious mind just got programs. And I say, where do we get our programs? And here's how it works. In the first seven years of a child's life, the brain uh, uh, is in record. It's in theta, a vibration that's below consciousness, but it is a state of uh, what you see, you download. That's how we learned. How do you be a member of a family? I said, well, observe your family. <laughs> and then you download right. how they behave. And how do you become a member of the community? I say, well, observe them. And when you're in this state of theta, which is the first seven years, what you observe is downloaded. So where did your behaviors come from? First, from programs. Yeah, but where did those programs come from? And here's where the problem is. Not from you. <laughs> they came yeah. from other people. I say significance as you hold life is around here, Mark. The whole significance is that is... Do those people I downloaded the program from have the same wishes and desires as I have? And I go, no. Then if I play their program, will I manifest my wishes and desires? No. You're going to just emulate what you downloaded. It's playback, record, playback. So, okay, so I say, last trimester of pregnancy, the screen boots up. Mine's ready to go. Then we're in theta, vibration that downloads experiences, okay? So even the fetus is getting experiences. I, I go, where's the experiences from a fetus inside the mother? I go, remember the fetus is nourished by blood. And I go, yeah, but the blood that nourishes the fetus is the mother's blood. I go, yeah, but blood has nutrition. I go, yeah, it sure does. But it also has information, growth hormones, neuropeptides, emotional chemicals, and all that, that regulate our body. So when the mother is nourishing the fetus, not only is she providing nutrition, she's providing information. And if there's repetitive action in that behavior, then that is learned by the fetus even before it's born. Uh, uh, and so then it says, well, well, the mother is programming the, the fetus. And I go, yeah. And through epigenetics, that's how you control genes. Her blood content controls the genetic behavior of the fetus as it's developing. She's a genetic engineer. How she sees the world adjusts the genetics of the fetus is not born because simple rule. Wow. When the fetus is born, it's going to live in the same world that the mother lives in. So the mother is head start. Hey, this is a great, loving world. Welcome to the world. That fetus comes out. And it's like, yeah, I'm in a great place. But if the mother is not sure about her world, she's upset. She feels in fear. Can the stress levels, the anger, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Well, that sends different chemistry into the, into the fetus. A, a stressed mother, because of her chemistry of stress hormones, 
can reduce the intelligence of her child by 50% because in a stress mode, it uh, doesn't enhance the development of the nervous system. Gets you ready for fight or flight, not for consciousness. Mm -hmm. So um, we become programmed before we're born. Uh, And and program, you can identify that. It's easy. Like if, if there's music played to, you know, for the fetus, the vibration of that music, while it's de- developing and uh, you play the same music. When that baby is born and you play the music, the, the baby will have a memory of exactly that memory of, I remember that music because it was played over and over wow. again, okay? So first seven years starts off with programming before we're born, then when we're born, we spend seven years in a state of hypnosis, which is theta, but characterized as imagination and behavior. That's how kids below seven mix the real world and the imaginary world because they're in theta, which is expressing hypnosis, but it's also expressing imagination. The, uh, the child on the broom riding it because in its mind, it's not a broom. They've transformed that, you know, imagination. That's a horse. The mother says, give me the broom. The child's like, shit, he doesn't even know what you're talking about. What? It's not a broom. It's a horse. You know? But that's theta. So we download programs. And at age seven, uh, then our conscious mind kicks in. And guess what? That's the beautiful one. That's the one that says, I can type on the keyboard. I want to change my world. I want to change what I'm doing. Oh, I said, well, then the conscious mind can do that. Now, Mark, your whole career here in helping people comes from this fact that the two minds work together. If the conscious mind is paying attention, then the conscious mind is typing on the keyboard and creating life. But the conscious mind, and here it is, the conscious mind can think. I go, what the hell does that mean? I go, Mm -hmm. thinking is not looking out at the world. Thinking is looking in for a thought. Thoughts are on the inside. And so if you want to think about something, you have to go into your head. It's a thought process. You can essentially close your eyes. Yeah, I'm thinking. I don't need to see what's going on. I'm in my head. I go, yeah, but if your conscious mind, which is controlling the system, is thinking, then it's not paying attention to what's going on in the world. A very simple point. Most of us have been in a car that we've been, if we're driving for a while, uh, and you have a passenger in the car, we get into a wonderful conversation, and then you look out the window and you realize, I haven't paid attention to the road for the last five minutes. <laughs> you know, and I always joke, I say, Oh, yeah, tell your passenger, Hey, guess what? While we were talking, I didn't pay attention to the road. <laughs> you know, it's like, that makes them feel good. You know, don't say it really. But uh, the point about it comes down to this it says, You were on the road, five minutes, you were in conversation, here comes the whole problem right there in the story. Ready? I say, what was your conversation about? You go, oh, we talked about this and this and this and this. I go, okay. Next question. What was on the road during the five minutes when you were driving? You go, I have no idea what the hell was on the road. Yeah, no clue. No, because you know why? My consciousness was not looking out the window. I was in Mm. love with... A conversation. I say, but yeah, but you, apparently you didn't kill anybody and you're still driving and the police haven't stopped you. And, you, you know, I go, then who the hell was driving the car? Well, the answer is simple. Yeah. Driving is a habit you learned and habits are in the subconscious mind. So the moment you started focusing on the conversation, the conscious mind was not paying attention. The subconscious mind 
was running the driving and doing is probably better than when you're driving with your conscious mind. Okay. <laughs> but here comes the, this is the issue and this is why your work is so valuable. And as I just said, when the conscious mind's not paying attention, the behavior is coming from the subconscious program, but you do not see the behavior because you're not paying attention. It's running right. automatically. So I say, well, what, what does that mean? I say, you don't see your own behavior. And I go, where did that behavior come from? I said, well, remember, when you stop paying attention, the subconscious is autopilot. The moment you're not paying attention to something, subconscious knows how to do it, walk, talk, the job you do. You don't have to think about that. It's a program, okay? So 95% of the day is the amount of time a person is thinking, which means, and this is the fact, you're not there 95% of the day, but you're you're participating. And I go, how, how yeah. am I participating? Well, the subconscious is autopilot. It's just going to run the program. You know how to talk to people. Why? You learned how to do that. You know how to drive the car, ride the bike, play a music instrument. You don't have to work on the details. It's, it's already a program. So here comes the biggest issue, and that is 95% of our life is not coming from our wishes and desires, 95% is coming from the program. If you got a good program, then fabulous. Why? You don't even have to think about it. You could just be hanging out all day and the program will automatically get you where you want to go. But if you don't have a good program, you will be sabotaging yourself all day with behavior you don't see. Mark, the same story of probably even read in the book, but it talks about the fact that you have a friend and you know your friend's behavior very well and you know your friend's parent. And one day you see your friend has the exact same behavior as the parent. And I go, and what do you want to do? You want to tell them. You got, you guys, you just got a oh, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. <laughs> Back away from Bill. I know exactly what the hell Bill's going to say when you say that. And I know it. And he's going to say, how can you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. And the audience laughs. And the, and the reason why is we've all had that experience. I said, well, why is this the most profound story that I can finish and then let Mark take over? Because why is this the most profound story? Simply this. Everyone else can see Bill's behavior. The only one who doesn't see it is Bill. I say, because Bill says, how can you compare me to my dad? Everyone says, I can, I can yeah. see you. And he says, how can you do that? And the reason why he can't see that like you see it is when he's doing that program that he downloaded from his dad, why is he playing it? And the answer is he's not paying attention with his conscious mind. So whatever's coming out, it's like driving the car. I didn't see what was on the road. I didn't see what I just said. <laughs> Why? It was automatic, subconscious, below level of conscious. My consciousness had nothing to do with it. It was a program. So the issue that you're dealing with, Mark, is one of the most important issues on the planet because, first of all, relationships are required in biology. I have a quote here. I want to read it. It's from a yeah. biologist, Lewis Thomas, and he, years ago, he wrote a book called The Lives of the Cell. I loved it. It was a whole bunch of essays, okay? But here's an excerpt from it, and it's, quote, it is beyond our imagination to conceive of a single form of life that exists alone and independent, unattached to others. Why? 
every form of life is connected to other forms of life. There's no form of life that's not is disconnected. And I go, this is from bacteria up to humans. And I go, significance is this. Our, our coming together in, in, in relationships is built from the very first organisms that were here. It's part of our biological imperative to do this. And so no matter how many times you may have failed at finding love, guess what? You'll still go out and do it again because it's a drive to do it, okay? So that's the first thing. You, 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 I'm not looking for a relationship. I go, well, yes, you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Without these relationships, okay? And when it comes to love relationships, there's a programs. How, how do I create a love relationship? Well, now it depends on my teacher, and in my case, yeah. I, my father was my teacher, and I go, well, he sucked at relationships. <laughs> Guess what I downloaded? Suck relationship program. And that's why for over 40 years, I couldn't get a damn relationship off the ground. Why? I didn't see 95% of the day my subconscious programs that were playing. Everyone else saw them. A future partner saw them. I didn't see them when I did them. And if they were not very positive programs, then what do you expect the result to be? Like me, 40 plus years, no relationship at all. Then when the understanding of subconscious and conscious as two different parts of the same mind, recognizing that 95% was coming from the program is like, oh crap, am I playing my dad? No wonder I can't get a damn relationship off the ground. And then here comes... The big one, because you've mentioned it in your work, and to me, this is the big one. You ready? And the basic thing is this. Can you say in truthfulness, I love myself? And the answer, I can tell you right now, 80, 90%, eight, nine out of 10 people will not be able to truthfully own, I love myself. I go, you don't love yourself? I go, well, how does that relate to loving somebody else? I said, if we can't love yourself, nobody else can love you. Because if they say, I love you, and you go, well, you don't have any good quality control. I know I'm not lovable, so what's wrong with you? Uh, and then we push them away, and then they're not there. And then you say, see, I'm not lovable. Nobody's here. I go, unconsciously, you push them away with behavior that did not encourage it. And I want you to talk, but I got to then follow through on this. And I'm getting there, Mark. Keep going. Keep going, Keep going man. You're, you're ripping. I love it. Well, but the problem comes down to simply this. The story of Bill is that uh, we're, not, we're not running our lives uh, with our conscious wishes and desires. We're running with our programs. And our programs are sabotaging us. And, and that's because we play the programs 95% of the time and we don't see that we're even engaged, so we perceive ourselves as victims. But I said, to why do 80, 90% of people cannot say I love myself? And here's the story. Consider a, a, a person on a team, sports team, 
and the coach comes up because the, per the player isn't performing up to its ability, you know? So the coach comes up to talk to the player. The coach doesn't go, oh, please do better. Not the coach is not going to say that. The coach is going to say, hey, come on, man. You don't, you don't deserve to be here, you know? You, you know, the, the, the coach is, is uh, saying that you, you got to work harder. You don't deserve it. You're, you know, you're not good enough to be on the team and criticize the player. And then I say, so what's the relevance of that, okay? And the relevance is simply this, that the, person, the coach was criticizing the player, saying you're not good enough, okay? Now, I say, well, that works on a team. The player's going to say, yeah, I understand, coach. I'm going to work harder, okay, great. But a child under age seven, and this is, the okay, the big issue in the whole world's here. A child under seven is not conscious to think out things. They're recording. So if the parent uh, uh, says, that's not good enough, you don't deserve this, you're not lovable, who do you think you are? The child is not consciously understanding like an older child would understanding the coach. The younger child is just recording. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not lovable. That's just the words the parent said. Boom. No consciousness. Remember, age through age seven, record, record. Mm -hmm. So a child records, not good enough, not lovable, not this, not that, not this, that, whatever. And, and I go, all of us <laughs> have been in that situation. And I go, the relevance of that is a child downloads the words but does not have the consciousness to understand the meaning other than the words. And I say then most all of us have grown up with criticisms about us. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. I'm not deserving. I said, where'd you get that? I said, your parents said that when you were a kid and you recorded it because you were in record. And I go, oh my God. The, the, then the issue about all this really comes down to the fact that we don't love ourselves because of the self-criticism in our own program. I'm not worthy. I'm not deserving. I'm not lovable. I said, if those are your programs and you play that 95% of the day, then the life that you have is not anything that you wanted in regard to, let's say, relationships. Why? I'm not lovable. I'm self-critical. And that's 80 to 90% of people are self-critical so that it's very hard for them to take in outside, outside information because they already have a program. Boom, that's it. No matter what you say, I'm not lovable. That's the program, okay? And so the issue about it is all of us <laughs> have been in that situation. All of us have been programmed with beliefs that are not supporting us in their subconscious. We don't see them playing but they play 95% of the day. So our lives are not what we wanted to make out of them. It goes back to exactly what the Jesuits said. Whatever the program was in the first seven years, that's our life. And, and then I say, uh, what was the program? I go, well, here's the problem. You started getting programmed before you were born, so you obviously have no conscious recognition. I have no idea right. what the hell the program was. I said, well, hey, you were programmed a whole year from zero to one. You were being programmed every minute of being awake. You were being programmed. What was that? I go, I don't know what the program was. Okay, you were programmed a whole year from one to two. What was those programs? I, I don't remember those programs. About three to four. So you start to remember some of these things because consciousness is starting to kick in a little bit and I can remember some of it. But I say, 
issue. Your life is coming from your programs, and right now you won't be able to tell me what your programs are. And then come right. the solution, and here it is. And finally, if I say this, I would like to then turn it over to you, Mark, because here's the solution, and, and here's the issue. I say, what were my programs? I wasn't there, and I have no awareness of it. And then I go, 95% of your life is the program. Your life is a printout of your program. And I go, why is that so important? I say, look at your life right now. And the point is this, the things that you like, that come into your life, how come they come in? I say, because I have a program to acknowledge those things. But and this is the one that you're working so hard, Mark, to help people with. The idea is this, is that what about the things you want and you have a hard time getting them? And I say, I'm working, yeah. I'm working hard. I'm struggling. I'm putting a lot of effort. I'm going to make a lot. Of, I'm going to make this happen. I'm working. I'm working hard. I'm sweating. And I go, why are you working so hard? And the answer is simple. You don't have a program to support that conclusion. And your life is a struggle because your program will not get you to that destination. 95% of the day playing that program, it's not going to get you there. And you're going to try to override the program. I'm working hard. I'm going to make it happen. I go, you're only controlling 5% of the day with that, that conscious mm -hmm. control. It's, mathematically, it's not going to really work out very well, and we struggle. And you are there, Mark, to help people. Let's get beyond the struggle. Let's get into creating what you wanted. Let's understand what love is all about. Lo love, it, a lot of people just put it together. Oh, it's like male, female, sex, and all that. And I go, no, no. Love is being in harmony with your world. Does it have to, uh, to uh, does it be like uh, male and female? I say, no, it could be male and male. It could be female and female. It doesn't make any difference. Why? Biology, it says that it's inconceivable that we are unattached to others. And, uh, and in the world, <laughs> uh, what's going on in the world is we're all seeking attachment. Does it have to be with the opposite sex? I say, no. Does it even have to be with a human? I go, no. <laughs> you, you, you could have a pet. <laughs> And, and be in love with your pet and talk to your pet all day. That You can do that. Uh, or it doesn't even have to be with a, a living thing. If you love something that you do, that puts you into the reference frame of being conscious of what you do. When you're in love, you're not playing the program. When you're in love with something, you are uh, not, not going to the past. You're, you're staying, your conscious mind's staying right there. When you're in love, you stop thinking and you are then being, you're active. Uh, and this is the issue. Now that I opened up so many uh, cans of worms here. Yeah, you got, I've got a lot of algorithms to process there. <laughs> you, you guide me now. <laughs> I mean, gosh, you dropped so many gems. So first off, 95% of what we do is unconscious you know, it's like you said about the driving the car analogy. I think of that often of like the moment I woke up to questioning why I did what I did or the outcomes I had was because I hit a relational low. But I think that low can be any event in life that makes us sort of stop still. And as you said, be present, stop thinking and start maybe being curious. So I have a few questions. One Oh, let's just start with one because I know you'll you'll probably riff and answer my other one, which is what is what is often or how do we begin to tap into the unconscious? And 
discover what these programs are. And then I'm, I'm curious how two things. One, the, the biological influence of fear-based or negative programs, like biologically, I understand that you can't receive what you don't believe is possible to exist. So yeah, maybe just riff on that and then we'll see where okay. we go. Well, let's start off with the most basic principle that people have no real knowledge of, and it's the fundamental science of quantum physics. I go, what the hell does physics have to do with all this? Well, physics is the fundamental science of how the universe works, so it becomes important for us to know the rules. And most of us all have the rules of what is called Newtonian or classical physics. And I go, what's unique about that physics? It divided the universe into a physical and an energetic realm and basically says whatever is physical affects the physical, and whatever is energy affects the energy. And I go, well, then consciousness is energy and the body is physical. So science has said, well... Consciousness has nothing to do with all this. <laughs> well, that's com you know completely wrong because quantum physics says everything is energy. Uh, it's an illusion of matter, very strange illusion of energy. But what's relevant about it is energy always influences energy. So if your body is not physical, but it's energy, and your consciousness is energy, then guess what? Your consciousness does affect your, your body because then that's the quantum physics part. So we're not separating mind and body. Uh, uh, Newtonian, separate mind and body. Physics, body. Metaphysics, mind. And I go, yeah, but in quantum physics... <laughs> It's all one. It's all energy. So your mind, and here's the principle from 1927, Max Planck, the, uh, the one of the founding fathers of quantum physics, 1927 states that the mind is the matrix of all matter. I go, well, interesting, matrix, that's where the movie comes from, the matrix. The mind is the matrix of all matter. What he meant is the mind is the creator of all matter, okay? And I go, that's the fundamental principle. In fact, I, uh, I show in my lectures from the, the journal Nature, which happens to be the most prestigious scientific journal on this planet. There was an article from a physicist from Johns Hopkins, Richard Con Henry. And I say to the people, you know, you don't have to read the article. Why don't you just read the last sentence in this article? I go, what's the last sentence? And I, uh, remember, uh, quantum physics talks about the there's not a material existence, okay? It's energy. So here's the last sentence, ready? The universe is immaterial. It's mental and spiritual. Live and enjoy. My God, the, found, the most prestigious scientific journal has a conclusion in an article that it's all based on mind and spirituality, which are energies, okay? Uh, and I say, this, this is profound. I mean, from 1927 to now, physics still says your mind is creating this. And then I go, well, if our mind's creating this, and look at your world. Uh, what are you creating? You go, it's not the world I want to create. You know, it's like, uh, if I want to create a world, I want to create heaven on earth. I go, well, look at this place, how we're doing. I say, well, between COVID, war, uh, pollution, you know, loss of species, everything going wrong on this planet. I go, this is not a great creation. But if no, we're creating it, why, why are we creating this? And then it goes back to what we talked about. You are not creating your world except for 5% of the time when the conscious is working it. Otherwise, 95% of your life is coming straight from the program, downloaded from other people. We're not creating what we want. We're creating what the program said. Uh, and this is the wake-up call because it says, well, 
you know, I said, well, how do you know your, you know, your, what your program is? I said, well, look, are you creating heaven? Do you wake up every day going, oh my God, I'm still here. This is the most beautiful experience in a lifetime, which I have been waking up for 25 years with my partner, Margaret, from a guy who couldn't get a relationship off the ground. Why? Previous, my relationships were unconscious because my subconscious playing my father's behavior. Failure, okay? Consciousness stepped in and said, well, wait, what are my programs? I said, well, trying to find a relationship doesn't work, so I surely got a bad program. And I, and I said, well, then we need to change the program. And all of a sudden, Mark, this is, you know, your whole effort to help people over, you know, change it. And this is why I emphasized before, the two minds learn in different ways. The conscious mind is creative. Listen to this podcast. Go uh, have a lecture. Go re read a self-help book. I go, you know how many people read self-help books? And I say, how many of you all read self-help books? And everybody's hand goes up. And I say, and how many of you, after reading that book, your life changed? And all the hands come back down again. <laughs> I go, well, you read the book. I say, yeah. And guess what? If I gave you a quiz on what the contents of that book are, you would get 100. But I say, then how come you're smart enough to know what the book is, but your life didn't change? And the answer was, reading a book uh, enhances the conscious mind. That's, it's creative. I could read the book and just learn, okay? But the subconscious mind doesn't learn that way. I go, oh. So reading the book was very helpful to educate me, but it had no effect on changing my program. I go, no, because it doesn't change subconscious. That subconscious is the habit mind. I go, so what's the significance? If you have a habit, you don't want it to change. <laughs> because if it's a good habit, I say, I'll give you an example. Because a lot of people think, oh, the subconscious programs, that's where the evil comes from. And I go, the subconscious is a hard drive. It's not evil. It's a hard drive. The programs you downloaded, well, they could be evil or they could be good. And I go, well, I'll give you the good one. I say, when did you learn how to walk? Before you were two. I say, how long can you use that program? Because once you learned, you don't have to think about walking. You, you never even put that into context. If something's over there, you just, I'm walking over there. You don't say, I'm walking, I'm there. I say, the mind will do all the walking. It's a program. You don't have to think about it subconscious. I go, cool. The subconscious mind is the program mind. But then comes the point. If you have a program, you don't want to wake up one day and go, I forgot how to walk. <laughs> well, you're in problem. Why? Because now, guess what? You have to start learning how to walk again. So habits yeah, do not want to change. When did we get these habits? These fundamental habits were down, the fundamental ones were downloaded before age seven. I said, but they don't want to change. I go, well, guess what? You put the habit in there. So there must be a way of putting a habit in there. And if you know how to put a habit in there, then you can rewrite the habit. And I say, okay. The habit mind doesn't learn just changing your habit just because you heard something because th that would not be a habit. It would be just changing all the time. It resists change. I say, well, then how did you put a damn habit in there in the first place? And I go, well, in the first seven years of your life, you weren't at the level of consciousness, alpha and beta vibration in the brain. You were at a lower vibration, theta. Theta is just when you fall asleep, when the conscious mind just closed the eyes, it's gone the brain is in theta for a short period of time. Well, you were in theta for seven years, but after age seven, uh, you, you don't maintain that status really anymore. But every night, 
when you come home and you start to relax the vibrations from work beta slow down to alpha that's calm consciousness and just as you're going to sleep alpha uh, shuts off and now you're in theta for a short period of time before you go into deep sleep delta so i say every night when you go to bed there's a, a short period of time when your consciousness disconnects and you're asleep that theta is working so if you put earphones on and play a program through there of something you want to be true in your life a self-help program then at night uh, uh after your your conscious mind starts to shut off whatever's playing through those earphones is not going into the conscious mind it's going into the subconscious mind and by repetition and the reason why you need some repetition there because it's only a short theta period before you go into delta sleep this is called self-hypnosis you maybe you remember old days no maybe you don't you guys are young I, I remember old days when a hypnotherapist and they'd have a watch pendulum on a you know on a pendulum yeah i remember it from like movies and they, and they, so they swing the watch and what were they telling people you're getting tired you're getting sleepy and i go well what's the relevance of that and the answer is profoundly simple it says if i'm tired and sleepy i'm lowering the vibration down to theta once i'm in theta the hypnotherapist can say what they want it's not going into the conscious mind. It's now going straight into the subconscious program. So the issue of that is that this is what we have to work on is recognizing how do I put the programs in? I say you have to be in theta. And that's every night you are in theta for a short period of time. So you put the earphones on, go to sleep. While you're awake and still conscious, you'll hear what's coming through the, the program. But the moment you fall asleep, the program is not picked up by the conscious mind going into the subconscious mind so you can reprogram the subconscious mind with what you want with self-hypnosis every night put the earphones on okay i go well that's how the subconscious mind learned habits for the first seven years but you learn things after you were age seven you learn how to drive a car you learn how to play an instrument you you learn different things i said well how'd you learn a new program after age seven and the second way of learning the first way of is hypnosis the second way of learning is practice, repetition. In other words, habituation. Practice something, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, and guess what? Now it's downloaded. That's how you learned how to, you, you got in a car, uh, you know, if you didn't practice, I don't want to drive with you. I need you to practice so you know how to drive. Then I'll get in a car with you. Uh, so the, the basic part is it's the practice that puts in the new program. Okay, and so this this is very really what we what we have to understand is I can add a program by habituation. Uh, there's a new age phraseology which everyone laughs at, but it's actually fundamentally true. Uh, fake it till you make it. I go, what does that mean? I say, well, if you're an unhappy person and every day you wake up and three of the days like I'm not happy, I'm not happy. I say, well, you want to be happy? Then all day long, whenever you can remember, you go, I am happy. I am happy. Right in the middle of unhappy. I don't care what's going on. It's the repetition. I am happy. Repeated and repeated and repeated. That's how you make a habit. One day you wake up and guess what? You're happy without even having to repeat it because now the program is in. So that's the second way. First way, self-hypnosis, earphones, nighttime program. Uh, the, that's first. Second way was habituation, repetition, practice, okay? A, a little insight about how you can change your life, how profoundly powerful you are in changing your life. 
actors. Let's say uh, Renee Zellweger, she she played Bridget Jones in the diary thing there. Bridget Jones' character is 40 pounds heavier than she is. What did she do? She got into character and became consciously playing that role in her head. Guess what? She gained 40 pounds. (laughs) Played the role after the movie, character gone, and her weight returned back to the normal rate again. Uh, one, one of the fine black actors was playing a a, a boxer, Hurricane boxer, uh, and we know this character. And uh, it's interesting because he's not—he has a slight frame and everything, but he takes on this uh, boxer in his consciousness. You see him in the movie; the man's buffed, where he's got the muscles. And where the hell did that come from? He put in the picture, I am the boxer. <laughs> and then his consciousness translated that into his biology. Okay. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work out so good. Uh, for example, uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman played Willie Loman, a very uh, uh, neurologically upset, depressive character in The Iceman Cometh. He played it on Broadway. And he, Dustin Hoffman's a brilliant actor. Point yeah. is, he took on Willie Loman's neurological issue became so depressed that while the show was running, he ended up having to go to a, a neurological hospital because the depression overtook his life by playing it. There's a little a little simple so story right here. Who do you want to be? Play the Become the actor. Play that actor. Put that Here's who I am. I guess what? When there's a good actor, their physiology corresponds exactly to the consciousness of the role they are playing. You don't like your life? Change your role. Play a different... I'm a different person. I'm going to play... Here I am. Bruce the actor. I'm a great actor. Okay, I'm going to act. And then that's it. So um, that, that that's, you know, the way of changing it. Changing the consciousness of who we are. And the last way of changing, because it's most important for me, because it's the fastest. Those two other ones take time, repetition, you know, put the program on every night, takes time. But there's something called energy psychology, a new version, a new modality of psychology. It's not the conventional psychology. Uh, it enhances or engages something called super learning. Uh, and with super learning, the mind is open to rapid download of stuff in a super learning moment. So you can change a belief that you've had your whole life. 15 minutes? Ha! <laughs> 20 minutes! Give us some of that. That sounds perfect. Well, it works. And there's about 25 different modalities that are on my website, under my website, under resources. There's 25 different versions. I use the one called Psyche, but there's so many other ones. And so I give a listing, a short paragraph, and a website. So you can say, oh, that's a good one. I'd like to try this one. Go ahead. Why? Necessity is the mother of invention. Human behavior is causing our own extinction at this moment. The world is in chaos, not because of all the little details going on. It's in chaos because we're not sustainable as a civilization. Uh, and we have to, it's human behavior. Oh, well, then what do we have to change? Human behavior. I go, is it going to take weeks and weeks to put <laughs> new behavior? I go, no. Mother of invention, energy psychology says I can rewrite those programs in, in minutes. And I say, well, uh, I wouldn't be here talking to you if that, uh, understanding and my application of that, I, I brought it into my life. And uh, my life is, I wrote a book called The Honeymoon Effect. Here's a guy who couldn't get a relationship off the ground for 40 plus years, and he writes a book called The Honeymoon Effect. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's what? 
I'm still on it and it's 25 years and I'm still waking up every day and I'm still having a honeymoon every day after 25 years. Uh, and so uh, does it work? Well, at least for 25 years it's worked, but I don't think it's ending <laughs> today. So I think it's a lifetime change and your efforts are to bring people into this. And so thank you for letting me uh, talk to your community. So I hope that they can engage with you to let's do something active now instead of, hey, Bruce just enhanced my conscious mind. I go, well, that's nice. But uh, until you change that subconscious program, you're still the same person <laughs> that you are. Uh, and Mark's job, as I see it, is to facilitate your change. So I said, visit that guy, Mark. He's on the screen next to me. <laughs> I like that. Well, it makes me consider, I mean, so many things. One, the reliving of the honeymoon over and over and over again is obviously, you know, I think we often long for that state rather than live in it, much like what we were saying at the beginning of the podcast about living in heaven on earth rather yeah. than uh, waking up every day with this sort of doom and gloom, which, you know, I have a couple questions. One, Based on the stuff we're consuming passively, news, all that kind of stuff, I would imagine that that is constant because there's so much habitual stuff, right? Like we might even be falling asleep to the news and you're like, oh, wait, that's in that moment you're talking about. And then the second part of that is why is it so hard then knowing like what you're saying, like, oh, ultimately I want to create a belief that I love myself or I want to create the honeymoon experience. I want to change what I learned from my dad or my mom or society about relationship, and I want to actually cultivate a loving relationship. Uh, why is it so hard to let go of the belief, even though I know I'm stepping into the potentiality of heaven on earth or the honeymoon effect? So one, like, how is what we're consuming influencing that? And then two, uh, why is it so terrifying to know that you're going to actually create like that to me is such a mind blowing thing that doesn't make sense is like we'd rather be certain and in pain sometimes we're playing programs yeah. we're we're playing programs but we are unaware of the program if you're unaware of the program then here's how it works I wake up in the morning and say, today's the day I'm going to get healthy. Today I'm going to find love out there too. And you get all excited and you go to the day and you come home at night and you go, well, it didn't work today. And I say, why didn't it work? And I say, well, I wanted to be successful. So it's not me. It must be them. And then we have switched what we have become as victims because we didn't see any participation from our end because our participation was invisible. So it wasn't me that caused the problem. It was that person and that thing and that entity and all that. And then all of a sudden, I'm a victim of those things that were controlling me. And I go, you didn't see 95% of the day you were creating it. And that was the response. And so if you so can't true. see it, which the average person cannot see anything we just talked about, then... Everyone wakes up today as I'm a victim of the world because it's not exactly what I want. And therefore, geez, poor me, I can't get this, you know, and those people are interfering and everybody, it's not me. I go, as quantum physics, rule number one, <laughs> consciousness is creating your life experience. You have to own this because if you owned it, then you can say, well, then if I'm doing it, then I'm the one that can fix it. But if they're Amen. doing it, I can't fix them. 
So most people have no idea that they're involved. They're just looking at the world. These people are not helping me. I go, no, no, they were following what your program was going and you didn't see it. And that, that is the hardest part for the whole game. You do The average person outside of what we just talked about has no idea that they're not controlling their life with their wishes and desires and that the failure to obtain them is not them but it's the other people, that's the conventional belief. And if that happens, then the, the issue is I'm not going to be empowered because I'm giving the power still to the other people. And it's like, no, you are powerful. And this is why uh, your program is an important part of the evolution of civilization. And I go, why? We have to get out of the program that's been put upon us, that made us victims, powerless, in a world, and you go, well, look at all those powerful people out there. How how did they get so powerful? And I go, they didn't get so powerful. They took away your power. Now they have the power. And that that's it. It's control. Amen. The game is control. Uh, and it's time to uh, recognize how the game works so you can get back into your control. I did this with my life. And it all started with those cells 50 years ago that showed me Jesus, my consciousness is creating this. If I'm going to change something, I don't have to change the genetics. I have to just change the consciousness. And that led me on this path to ultimately, uh, you know, reprogramming my subconscious mind to do what? Get rid of or replace the disempowering programs with empowering ones. And I go, here's the benefit. Here's the benefit of it. Once the new program is in, you don't have to even make any effort. Why? You haven't made any effort to get where you are right now. <laughs> it's your subconscious been doing it all the time. So I said, well, what if you put only good stuff in your subconscious? I go, well, then without any effort, you will have all the good things that you were looking for, health and happiness and relationships and stuff like that. And that's the destination because you got to get out of I'm that's a victim. Beautiful. Everyone thinks they're a victim. I go, well, what does victim mean? Powerless. And so if I'm, I'm telling you I'm powerless, and what do you think is going to happen? And as you went like that before, and the answer is this, I'll sell you some power. I'll be the pharmaceutical. You want some power? I'll sell you this drug. Okay, I'm this guy. I'll sell you that. You'll get more power, more power. What did they do? They made us in, into consumers. Why? Well, I can't do it. I'm the victim. But they can get it for me. How much do I pay them? I say, well, hey, religion was based on all this stuff. Yeah, how, how much does it cost me not to go to hell? Well, 10% of your salary was tithing. <laughs> I go, for what? They're going to protect me from going to hell. Uh, you know, the, the spiritual <laughs> so people, I go, why am I paying them 10%? <laughs> I, can, I can create my own heaven, which I did. And all of a sudden it says, stop disempowering me. That is the message. Who does it go to? It goes to the medical community, that you disempower me by telling me w what my future is going to be, and I buy into the belief in that first seven years that you control my health. I don't control my health. I'd go to the doctor, the, and my program is doctor knows about my health. I don't. The doctor says you're going to die in three months. Then guess what? <laughs> you just put in your brain a program of in three months, I will be dead and you will. I say, will you die of the cancer they said you had? And I go, nope, 
you can you die from the belief of the three months because when they start doing autopsies on people that we know they were going to die in three months of this cancer and they start finding it. They didn't die from the cancer. What did they die from? The belief. Belief controls your life. If you believe you're going to die, you can die just from the belief. Tells you like how much, well, just tells you how much like constantly being in terror, constantly being in fear, constantly being like, well, they you're know afraid the you're always going to catch. They, right. they put the button into your system in the first seven years and the rest of your life, they wanted you to jump. They just push the button, push the button. You'll jump, you'll jump, you'll jump. And that's how they control us. And the fact is, well, if we're all creators, then how come I have to jump to your button? And the answer is because the program that got me off the ground was you're the powerful one and I'm not. And all of a sudden, it's, and then I'm not powerful. You know, there's a famous book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, basically establishing yeah. everything I just said. If you come from a family where the first seven years is you're in the rich family, then you're going to be rich because unconsciously you will be doing those things that brought that richness into your family. In contrast, you grow up in a poor family and the effort of trying to get out of poverty, you can't do it, you can't do it. Well, that's a program. So guess what? Kids from rich families grow up rich even if they're stupid, you know? Uh, I won't say any past president about that or not, but um, uh, <laughs> a, a person doesn't have to be intelligent. They're running on a program to stay rich, okay? Not in consciousness, okay? But more importantly, most of us have pro been programmed to be poor people, poor in money, poor in status, poor in life functions. Why? <laughs> because it is a program to disempower us, to make us consumers, to buy whatever the pharmaceutical company wants to sell me, whatever the drug people, whatever the religion wants to sell me. It's like, oh, okay, uh, I'll do what you said. It's like, you don't need any of that. You just, you needed that because they knew about the program, okay? But if you right. know about the program, then the first thing is this. You don't have to be involved anymore doing that. You could say, I want to write my own. Well, you almost have to, when you start to do what you're saying, which is recognize your participation in the system that you've just always been part of. And if you observe your parents and your religion and your culture, we're all participating like that's the normal. And so if your normal relationships are not loving, empathic, kind, respectful, thriving, then it is abnormal to begin to take a sp pause before you respond. It's abnormal to be kind and respectful and to believe that the honeymoon is possible. Like, it's amazing because what you're saying is as soon as you unplug from one, then now you're like, well, shit, I don't need this addiction anymore because that addiction was treating my disconnection from heaven on earth, from the, from the participation. That's the pain that's created when you participate in a program yeah. that is inherently painful. Yeah. You, you know, the, the uh, a big conclusion of everything we're talking about here is the movie The Matrix. And remember, that came from Max Planck. The mind is the matrix of all matter. Uh, guess what the point of the movie was? We're all programmed. That was the point. I said, yeah, but that's true. We are all programmed. It's not that's science true. fiction documentary. And, I, uh, uh, and then when they took the red pill, they got out of the program and they're, all of a sudden they had a whole different thing going on. So let me tell people that that movie is a documentary and that most of you out there have Amen. taken that red pill. I say, w what is the red pill? You fall in love. I go, yeah, but why is that the red pill? You ready? Because when people fall in love, they stop thinking. 
They stay mindful, meaning I've been looking for this partner for 40 years and she or he shows up uh, and, and the idea is this, I've waited for them to be here. Why would I spend my time thinking, which means I'm not here? I don't want to think. I want to be here because of this excitement. And I go, when people fall in love, the honeymoon, their, their life is blah, 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 blah. They fall in love. 24 hours later, it's like, oh, man, life's beautiful. The food's great. The music's great, man. Uh, I got so much energy. We made <laughs> so love for days. We didn't even sleep. We were so energized and everything. I go, that's called the honeymoon. The honeymoon is an experience of heaven on earth. I go, how did that happen after a life of blah, blah, blah? And the answer was because blah, 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 you you were thinking. <laughs> and as a result, the subconscious was controlling. You fall in love, you stop thinking, you stay mindful. So I'm not defaulting to the subconscious. Well, if I stay mindful, then which, which mind is controlling me? Not the subconscious, that's the program one. <gasps> The creative one. I go, yeah, that's exactly what the honeymoon was about. You stopped playing the damn program, started creating what you want, and then, okay, for most people, that honeymoon doesn't last for a long time. I go, why not? And the answer is because during the honeymoon, you didn't play any of the negative programs that you downloaded from your growing up period. Your partner never saw a negative side of you because you never played anything negative. You played wishes and desires. You played heaven on earth, and we're experiencing heaven on earth. But the moment you start thinking, you will automatically bring to the forefront the bad programs that never were part of the relationship during the honeymoon. There's two minds. The conscious mind, creative, creative, two people come together. That's creative. That's heaven on earth. But when you start thinking, all of a sudden the subconscious comes in with its program. It's not a program that brought you to there. As a matter of fact, it's a program that could have limited you from being there. And you start playing behaviors that your partner goes, so who are, who are you? Where did, where did that come from? And that's the story of Bill. Like, you didn't hear what you just right, said that right. upset the situation. Why? You said it because it came from the subconscious. Uh, again, you didn't see or hear what you said. But the other person responds. Your partner goes, oh, my God, what, what's, you know, this is not a great thing. And then the relationships go from honeymoon to sort of back to everyday life for a lot of people. But the juiciness of the honeymoon is what? Total creation. You were creating that. And if you understood that it was the subconscious programs that take you back out, then you're left with a simple thing. Rewrite the damn subconscious program. Because if you do, then heaven on earth is... 24 7 365 thinking not thinking you're still going in the same place and you could then be thinking 95 percent of the day and yet your automatic behavior when you got the program right will encourage that love to be there without you even thinking about it uh, that's the coolest part it's not work every day i have to work on this relationship you put the program in there the work is over it's automatic at that point so interesting because you said before you didn't have to put any work into creating the life you currently have so if you just do the transformational part of changing your belief the same ease will come because you'll naturally from you said from the quantum physics perspective too it's like described on all these layers you'll naturally just start to participate in those things because you believe you're worthy of that you believe right. like you said rich dad poor dad um how do you participate in the world like, what are your habits, like when news is presented or things like that, so that you can maintain this honeymoon experience, not with just your partner, and I'd love to hear that part, but also with the world in general? 
Well, the first thing is this, and this is the issue out eight to, eight to nine people out of 10 do not love themselves. That means they won't honor their own selves. If I don't love myself, why should I honor myself? I don't, you don't deserve it. <laughs> oh, me, I don't deserve it. That's what my mind said, and I will not honor myself. So the first thing is this. If you just change, the main fact is if I love myself, then immediately how you're going to respond to other people is going to be a whole different game of response at that point. That's number one. You got to do that like I suggest. That's the first thing. If I want to change something, the first thing I want to change is I want to be able to honestly look in the mirror and say I love myself. Because if I can say that, then I'm open for love. Doesn't have to be with just my partner. I go, no, ever love is harmony. <laughs> okay, I go. So love isn't just between two people. Love, hey, I love my job. Hey, why? I have harmony in my job. Oh, I love the community I live in. Why? Because I feel happy in this. So love is not just between these two. Love is I wake up in love. Why? Because the fear programs that were put into me, I've had the opportunity to look at those programs in my life and say, I don't want this. And if I don't want, I want to change it. And uh, for me, I started with uh, self-hypnosis as the first way of doing it. It works, okay, no problem, but it's a time period. And I go, but once I got to energy psychology, it's like, oh, I could change that, believe in 15 minutes and walk away. I go, whoa. Oh, I works. like this, yeah. It works. So, uh, yeah, the, so the idea is from here, where do we go? Uh, and the answer is this. Look at your life and recognize where the limitations are, that the limitations did not come from the outside. The limitations came from programs on the inside. And if there's a limitation on the inside, then I could uh, do uh, self-hypnosis. I could do habituation. I could do energy psychology and rewrite them. And the beautiful part about it is it doesn't even take a lot of effort. I mean, especially, hey, self-hypnosis, go to sleep. <laughs> It'll happen when you're sleeping. That's how much work goes into it, you know? Uh, energy psychology is like, well, how long do I have to work on that? About five, 10 minutes. And then, <laughs> okay, I can do that one, you know? Uh, but, but the issue is this. We are the ones that have to own that our life is not an accident, that we are creators. Quantum physics has been saying that since 1927. The new science I saw with the stem cells in the culture also said that because it said, my mind is creating my genetics and behavior, my consciousness. I go, that's what quantum physics was saying too. I go, yeah, it's a, in biology, it controls my genetics and my behavior, epigenetics. So it's like, okay, biology and physics now agree on this particular point. And, and, and yet... The public has no idea that they're even playing the damn programs. They, they, they have in their belief system, yeah, I'm creating this, but if it's not working, that didn't come from me. It must came from those other people. And, and then that's a, the, the first step of disempowerment. Why? Well, if you're going to blame it on the other people, then you're never going to take responsibility and do it for yourself. <laughs> and the point is you have to to be responsible for yourself. The word responsible is met not with cheers, but with groans. Oh, no, responsible. I go, yeah, well, that, unfortunately, um, you, you want to take charge of your life, then you have to own your life. That's the game. That's beautiful. That's the invitation to liberation. You know, you, like you said, it's met with groans, but it actually 
your soul meets it with finally, finally, finally. Instead of running, we're running from it. We're running towards something. Absolutely. That's the greatest part of it because once the program is in, there's no effort on your part. The program runs by itself 95% of the day. It's been doing it your whole life, well, except the first seven. Uh, you've been running it completely on the program. And I say, how much effort did you put into that? And it's like, well, truthfully, none. <laughs> and I go, yeah. well, guess what? If you put a good program in there, then truthfully, you don't have to do anything either. The good program will automatically get you what you want because your program is getting you what you want. If it's not the heaven on earth, then we don't change the earth. We change the program. That's what has to happen. When you weren't born yet, we had hippies around here, Mark. And, uh, and, <laughs> and those hippies, there was a phrase that's so important at this moment. And that phrase is, before you go out and save the world, take care of your own backyard. And that's the point. Before we go out and try to change the world to fix it the way we want it, first fix yourself and then the world will change automatically to become that. Become the change you wish to see in the world. Oh, Gandhi guy. It. There you go. There we go. Um, okay. This has been beautiful, mind-blowing, all the things. Uh, I feel like uh, since the first moment of reading your work, I just feel like I need to pinch myself and happy I had a program in here like one day Dr. Bruce Lipton and I are going to jam and here it is in well, I wish I, so I much. I have to tell you how much I deeply appreciate the invitation Mark because it's not I'm not just talking to you there's an audience out there and any one of those people that decides oh wait maybe I can do this becomes another person that's going to take their power back. And the more people that take their power back, the more other people want that power. Uh, I, I, I close with this because I always, I laugh so much about it. It was the movie when Harry met Sally and they were in a diner right. and, and, and Sally was, uh, you know, demonstrating an orgasm and loud and everybody in the restaurant is looking at her and the waiter is over at a table and says, well, what do you want? And the woman says, I want what she has. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I go, yes, I want what those people have that are so happy that every day that happiness brings health. You know, it's unhappiness that where the disease is coming from, not from genes. Uh, and happiness is our destination. But if you are invisibly playing a program, that means you are the victim of your program that you don't even see the damn program. But you do see the outcome of the program. And that's when you start, you should be then alerted to the wake up call is my life is my program. And if I don't like this, I'm not going to go out and change the life. I first have to go in and change the program. The life will change automatically after that. So simple. Well, Dr. Bruce Lipton, I am so grateful for your time, your heart, your work. And I'm curious for the people listening. Uh, where do they find more of you? Uh, and we'll put all the details in well, the Well, basically well. it is. It's just my website, brucelipton.com. Everything we talked about are freely downloadable videos, podcasts, written articles, free, download them. Why? I want you out there to do this because if you make heaven for yourself, I'm in the field. I'll, I'll be sharing that with you. So beautiful. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for letting me be on your program. Of course.
Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If this episode resonated with you, one of the best ways to support the show is to go subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any more. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, or share the episode with your community on Instagram or whatever social place you like to hang out. This helps get it into more people's ears, and I'm so grateful for your support, always. Thanks again for tuning in. Much love.